you for standing by, and welcome to the Next Science Limited 2020 Half-Year Results Conference Call. All participants are in a listen-only mode. There will be a presentation followed by a question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star, then one on a touchtone phone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. I will now like to turn the conference call over to Ms. Judith Mitchell, CEO. Ms. Mitchell, the floor is yours, ma'am. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the next Science Half Year Results Call. If you're on the call, I'm guessing you know that Next Science is the company with the answers for biofilms in humans and either the safe removal of the existing biofilm in the bacteria, viruses and fungus, or protecting patients from these biofilms and their associated infections. We currently have three products active in the US market and will launch into the surgical infection prevention market with our new product, Experience, our no-rinse surgical wash, as soon as it's cleared through the FDA. In fact, overnight, we received additional technical questions from the FDA, very similar to questions our novel technologies have received in the past, and we're working through those with the agency now to see what impact they have on the launch time. At our last update, we thought we'd be approved in the second half of 2020. This may move to 2021. At this stage, we cannot be more specific. We'll keep the market updated as we progress with the authorities, and we are continuing our initial pre-launch efforts and our key opinion leader consultations where we found significant excitement for this unique technology. Despite the issues caused by COVID-19, we've continued to progress the company. We've expanded the patent base to 27, and our technologies already in market have helped over 130,000 patients. It should be noted that these technologies have all been focused on treating existing infections. If you move to slide three, this is just a simple reminder of how our technology works. First, we break down the biofilm by using a process of chelation, which literally breaks the ionic bonds that hold the biofilm structure together. Then the low pH and high osmolarity environment created by our ingredients results in the pathogens going into cell lysis or cell death and then we're able to leave behind a smooth surfactant discouraging further colonization. When you look at slide four, you can see that the opportunities for product development across the company are plentiful. As we've mentioned previously, we believe the biggest market opportunities for the company are in the prevention of infection, and are currently concentrating the majority of our resources on the developments for the prevention of surgical site infections. In tackling surgical site infection, it is the opportunity to provide a difference in surgical outcome to millions of people by preventing infection and even morbidity. It's a space where currently nothing antimicrobial is offered to surgeons to be left behind in the patient to help prevent infection. This is truly a blue ocean market opportunity. Our experienced product is expected to be first to market in this space and then the product will be the cornerstone on which to build the rest of the direct-to-market infection prevention products for the company. If we move to slide five, although COVID-19 has impacted the company, we've worked on keeping our priorities and our R&D on track and have been able to launch a new acne treatment formula in March with TBH and get both our CE mark and our TGA clearance for back to shore. 
In the second half of 2020, we will be working with 3MKCI to build out the Blastex business, particularly through the Kaiser network of 39 hospitals, where the approval was just received prior to the pandemic hitting. We'll be supporting Zimabiomat to launch back to shore in both Australia in September and Europe in Q4. We expect to receive our CE mark for Blastex and we'll continue to work with the FDA to get the experience wash cleared for sale in the United States. Let's move to slide six. These are the products that contributed to our first half revenue. Back to Shore Surgical Lavage for the treatment of prosthetic joint infection, which is sold globally through Zimma Biomet. Blastex Antimicrobial Wound Gel for the treatment of chronic wounds, which is distributed through the 3M KCI company. Acne creams and gels for the treatment of acne sold in clinics and online through AST and TBH. And Surgex, sterile antimicrobial wound gel to protect surgical skin level incisions from infections, which is sold through the Next Science Sales Network in the United States. You'll note that this is a very diversified distribution strategy that combines partnership, licensing, distribution agreements, and direct sales. The diversification has been driven by our ambition to optimise the opportunity for each of the products in their specific target markets. We note that it is the company's plan to commercialise our preventative products through our own sales network, and at this time that network has over 200 agents through 71 entities covering the United States. Let's go to slide seven. As we move into the second half of the year, we expect additional revenues will come from the sale of out-licensing our disinfectant technology and the sale of Toronex through Triad Life Sciences as they launch the new tissue product expected in Q4. And experience, as soon as it is cleared by the FDA, recognising that the launch could move to 2021. If we move to slide eight, the purpose of the slide is to give investors context around why we're moving our development focus to infection prevention. The prevention of surgical site infection is a global multi-billion dollar market with over 100 million surgeries a year and a matching number of sterile field procedures. Just in Australia, there are 2.2 million surgeries every year. In the US alone, surgical site infections cost the health system up to $10 billion as they drive complications, extend length of stay and decrease life expectancy. Surgical site infection matches and exceeds many cancers in terms of morbidity, something that is not well known. With a global total addressable market of more than $15 billion, just a 5% penetration in the US market alone would result in a $350 million revenue stream annually for Next Science. Moving to slide nine, these are the details around our experienced product. As a no-rinse surgical wash, it is the first antimicrobial product in the market that can be left behind in the surgical cavity post the surgical close. And the product will continue its antimicrobial action for several hours. The current alternative treatments available, betadine and hypochlorous acids, must all be washed out of the cavity prior to closure. So experience has several key advantages. It is more effective in fact, 10 million times more effective at removing MRSA or golden staff than the current competitors. And it can be left behind, an advantage that is exciting to the leading surgeons we've been talking to. 
Also, our product has the additional competitive advantages of being non-toxic, tissue-friendly, broad spectrum, so it kills all types of positive or negative bacteria, as well as viruses and fungus, and doesn't increase antibiotic resistance. On slide 10, you can see we're well advanced on the marketing and the positioning of the product, and we've made sure that it is easy to use within the current surgical protocols, so no change to current procedural steps. And experience will simply replace some of the saline that would have been used in the surgery. All of the KOLs who've discussed the product we used during our pre-release roadshows have been extremely positive about the opportunity to use the product and the willingness to be involved with the company as we drive changes to standard of care. If you take a turn to slide 11, we can look at the financials. And you can see revenue was impacted by COVID-19 with a decline of 55%. The decline was a result of a combination of the closure of wound clinics, which were not considered an essential service in the US when the shutdown happened in mid-March. Wound clinics, of course, being the avenue for sale for Blastex and a reduction in elective surgeries, where back to shore is used. We're seeing elective surgeries coming back, but not yet at normal levels. And the wound clinics are reopening, but access for salespeople is being limited. During this time, our expenses have remained well controlled. Moving to slide 12, you can see at the end of June, our bank balance was 11.9 million US dollars, and we are debt free. Going now to slide 14, our second half activities are about driving sales and broadening market access. Firstly, finalising our disrupted chronic wound studies with Dr. Serena and Dr. Rogalski, and then leveraging that work with 3MKCI as the wound clinics reopen to reignite clinic activity for Blastex. We're supporting Zimabiomet launches in Australia in September and in Europe in Q4, and continuing our pre-launch education for experience while promoting Surgex through our Next Science sales agent network in the United States. So in summary on slide 15, clearly COVID has created challenges, but it's also driven a step change in awareness around infection control, the issues it causes and the unique capabilities of our products to eliminate pathogens. Our gross margins continue to be strong. We continue to build up patent assets, as well as our regulatory approvals, as we increase market awareness and clinical support for our technology. We believe that pivoting our product development focus to prevention products gives the company a robust product pipeline and an enormous market opportunity to support the development of a direct commercial business as the underpinning foundation of building a world-class medical device company. We'll now take questions. Hey, thank you, ma'am. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star, then one on your touchstone phone. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. If any type of question has been addressed and you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star, then two. Again, it is star, then one to ask a question. At this time, we will just pause momentarily to assemble our roster. And the first question we have will come from Elise Shapiro of Bell Potter. Please go ahead. Hi, Judy. Um, thanks for taking the question. I'm um, just wondering if 
you could give us a little bit more detail around the questions that FDA is asking around experience. Thanks, Elise. So the FDA came back to us yesterday with a couple of pages of questions that are all centered around the chemical technology and how it works and understanding the relationship to the predicate, which is back to shore in our case, remembering that as we move into um, the next product so that we can leave it behind, we've changed the surfactant. It's getting their heads around that. Um, and so we're back to them tomorrow and we will continue to see this submission progress over the next couple of weeks. But at this point in time, when we went to print today, we felt we should advise the market that we had been asked further questions. That's fair. And um, just, just then to clarify, they're, they're just questions. They're not requests for additional human or animal data? Not at this time, no. Great. That's, um, that's promising to hear. Um, and then just, just in terms of, you know, the, the sales force, both for 3M and Zimmer as well as for your independent um, sales force, um, I mean, on-site hospital visits and, and medical conferences are really important events to kind of drive KOL engagement um, and to broaden reach of the products um, to, to more physicians and more hospitals. What, what steps have you taken um, given COVID restrictions to mitigate that loss in terms of like a virtual engagement strategy um, to, to kind of drive awareness and conversion um, to, to use some of your products? Thanks. So we have taken part in several of the virtual um, conferences, really, they call them, that have gone on in the wound care space. But it, to be honest, is probably the most badly hit in all of these things. I think we're probably across the U.S. at about 78% of back-to-normal elective surgeries. Wound care is probably a little lower than that. The doctors are willing to take the reps to elective surgeries. And we're doing the calls for the surgery business outside the hospital. So they're willing to take the meeting. We're having them in coffee shops, down the road, in restaurants, and not bringing that into the hospital to avoid um, kind of just the, the controls that are going through. That being said, when the product is going into the surgery, the reps are allowed in the surgery now. So that has been a big step forward. Um, We've got an active program with 3M to go back into the clinics, take the research that Dr. Serena and Dr. Rogalski have done and help. The thing we're seeing in the clinics is what we thought we might see, and that is a whole lot of wounds that have not progressed and trying to drive them into more aggressive treatment in the short term so we can afford, avoid a tsunami of amputations because, you know, these people have been 12 weeks without care. Got it. Um, and just just on the you know distribution network that you've built out for Surgex, I mean that's that's grown a fair bit from the last update. Um, how much how much more do you see that growing in terms of number of reps and, and number of kind of hospitals that they're targeting? Um, probably at least another twenty percent. Because we've got states where we know going into the state without level one evidence is quite difficult 
particularly, say, Massachusetts, getting into a Massachusetts hospital without a randomised control study set of evidence, we just have said, yeah, it's on the wait list. So to finally cover the whole of the country, um, yeah, probably about another 50, but you'll also see us come through with some dedicated staff from our own organisation, um, building into the experience launch to support key centres that will be key clinical centres, key leading opinion leaders or key clinical trials for us that will support ourselves. So it will be a mix. So we aligned our distributors by account, not by geography. Okay. So that leaves okay. us in complete control. Great. Thanks for that. No, thank you. And next we have Shane Story of Wilson's. Thanks very much. Uh, morning, Judy. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I, I'm sort of just check. I'm, I mean, take on board with the potential delay to experience launch. But I'm, I guess my question is just to get an update on how you're thinking about post-marketing evidence development. You sort of just mentioned that Massachusetts might have a requirement for level one evidence. I'm yeah, just wondering whether what, what that sort of prospective study might look like next year. Um, so we're leaning into two, and if we get a clearance, we'll go early. Um, the first is in total knee replacement. So this is actually a study that says take a standard knee replacement today, so standard primary. This patient, this is their first major presentation, and we will. it's randomised controlled. It's going to be about 7,000 patients. Um, blinded so they won't know whether they're using saline or the wash and replacing the rinse out of the knee with experience versus the saline. We then do collection points at um, 90 day look back for 30 and 90 and then the doctors themselves have felt that this would be a stunning piece of science if we can continue to map the progress of the patient for the first two years. So we gave in, um, so to speak, but they're all very keen because they want to see what else we can track coming through some of these things. And there'll be some subarms in there using different closure at skin level as well. So there'll be a subarm for surgics in with the experience um, and looking at, you know, whether bandage technologies make any differences. Um, the second study is smaller because the infection rate is higher. And that's in colorectal surgery, led by a couple of hospitals out of Texas and then one in Georgia, where, you know, the published infection rate in colorectal surgery in the META study says the infection rate's between 5 and 60%. Um, these centers aren't running at that super high level, but most colorectal surgeries, given the area that they operate in and how difficult some of those bugs are, to actually deal with, um, they have problems. So it only needs to be 300. The statistician says it only needs to be 350 patients, and that will be aimed to start at the same time. And so, and so just going back to the knee study, presumably the sample size is high there because I, I, it sounds like you're contemplating like an all-comers sort of study. I wonder whether, is there also opportunity to do maybe a smaller sample size, but where you look to 
stratify patients into sort of higher risk categories where the complication rates could be or probably are sort of six to eight times higher? Um, we will have the subsets in there, high BMIs, the diabetics, the smokers. Um, right now we've left smokers in the study, which in itself is unusual. Um, but yeah, with, across 7,000 patients, there's enough data in each group that we think this is a pretty decent piece of science that has any number of subsets that are going to be able to be reported on. But you're right, the problem group, which is where we're first going to point our experience marketing into the hospitals, right? So we're not going to walk into a hospital and say, go wash everything, because they're just going to look at the bill and go, no. Um, what we're saying is go and help, let us help you deal with your problem patients. So not quite give us your sick and your weary, but certainly give us your prone to infection, your cancer patients, your immunosuppressed, and let us help you get them out of the hospital without an infection. And that seems to resonate pretty well with people as a strategy. Thanks. Uh, uh, finally, for me, um, just a question on BlastX, please. Uh, I'm just focusing on uh, sort of what you know, what you can control there. I, I, I've seen what you've done there with Kaiser, and also I think you made some product available in the home care operators uh, during COVID. But my question there is, uh, do you think you'll invest more in that sort of business development activity, which seems to be generating leads that then 3M slash KCI can then fulfil? And, and then have you noticed any change? in the way that KCI is sort of thinking about the target markets and the settings for that product, say, compared to how 3M thought about that maybe last year? Um, the big difference is the people that represented 3M were bandage people. So they really only called in the places where key 3M were looking to leverage their bandage technology, which is predominantly in venous leg ulcers, right? Whereas the KCI team service a broader range of wounds and they do it in the clinic, not just in, in the kind of the care network. And so, yeah, we are seeing something more active. The Rogowski study actually combines the KCI pomegranate product with the Blastex, so it gives them a dual reason to actually present to the hospital. We just need, you know, them to be able to get back selling. That's the difficult part. They're not getting a lot of selling time. Um, but hopefully that will start to improve. And we're doing some work that we'll probably end up seeing on LinkedIn showing our ability to go and help with wounds that haven't had any treatment in 16 to 20 weeks because there's a bunch of them out there. And unfortunately for me, my LinkedIn account picks up all of them. And you're seeing these patients that really have had no advancement at all and, in fact, are going backwards. So... Thanks, Julie. That's all I had. Cheers. Thank you. No, thank you, Shane. Next, we have Martin Jacobs of Canaccord Genuity. Hello. Uh, morning, Judith. Um, got a Good few morning. questions for you. Um, just wondering, how many KOLs have you lined up to support the marketing um, of experience once it gets approval? Seven. Seven. And, and just to clarify on the timelines, um, so you're getting back to the FDA in two weeks, is that correct? No, we have to be back to the FDA by tomorrow. Tomorrow. So I think you mentioned a couple of weeks on the an answer to another question. So just to clarify what that timeline relates to. The FDA coming back to us. 
Uh, you're right. You're, you're hoping for a response in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Was this a surprise to you? Um, in some ways, yes. This is a third round of questions, Martin. We don't normally see a third round, although our other technologies have had third rounds of questions. Remembering it's completely novel what we do, and we're asking them to approve something they've never approved before, and that's a wash that's left behind. So in many ways, I understand their continued dive down the toxicology route so that they understand everything is going to be perfectly safe. And um, so, yeah, you know, it was a busy day for us yesterday and today um, in Jax. Okay. Um, On on some different topics, Um, can you sort of um, shed a bit more colour on progress you're making with Kaiser? Well, we had done quite well, and, and the whole network has been um, allowed to now. It's you know the product is available everywhere. There's no restriction on usage. We now need to get back to those doctors who are now coming back to work, remembering most of Kaiser's in California, um, and remind them that the product is there and they now have access. So it's, it's like routine sales call type stuff just to get through this. So we had, we've had somebody dedicated into that space now for a couple of years. He's just trying to get around everybody, remembering that most of those hospitals are still closed to all but um, essential staff. Yeah, okay. And um, what would you, um, how would you assess the percentage sort of recovery um, in activity levels? from, you know, where it was before all this started? In which area of the business? Uh, well, the, the main, back to shore Blastex. So back, back to shore, um, Zimmer are very nicely sharing with us completely, like we've got complete visibility of where they're tracking versus previously. They They think that elective surgery is still down about 15% last month. That kind of tracks to the same kind of data that Kyle Rose from Canaccord is putting out for the US market in the orthopedic space. Um, within the chronic wound space, it's much more patchy uh, because, of course, for many institutions, chronic wounds are not seen as a revenue source. So it wasn't a priority to get it back into mainstream if you're a hospital, whereas, you know, orthopedics have been bleeding money for hospitals and um, it, it actually, you know, most of the places that do bit, treat patients in the U.S. are profit-making, right? So we, we, the data I've seen in, in chronic wounds from several sources say it's at about 70% right now. Some do better, and I mean, you know, some, some including doctors you know, didn't stop at all, but not yeah. every patient was that lucky. Mm. Okay. And um, ha- how's um, Surgex progressing? It occupying the uh, the new sales team. Uh, it is, and it's picking up, and we should be publishing some great clinical data in the next probably thirty days, where we've got smaller hospitals that are going through and converting everything, um, and doing very nicely. Really, very happy with the product. It's just trying to decide. You know, we divide time between training on experience and pushing surgex. So in the revenue for the period, was that just primarily back to shore? Primarily, yes. Okay. 
And and where do we things currently sit with Triad and the FDA? I mean, I know you, you've referred to fourth quarter, but um, can you shed any more colour on it? Uh, they're in their last rounds, so they're pretty comfortable that they think they'll be up before the end of the year. And and how's market development on that progressing? Well, they, this is a reimbursed marketplace, right? So this is the same marketplace that um, even some of the new listings in Australia play in. And, you know, they're ready to go. I've seen the first set of clinical data showing efficacy of the product. So they've got their studies ready to go into the marketplace with them. Um, they look in pretty good shape. Okay. And um, what, what timelines do you currently have for a disinfectant licensing deal? Um, we push down the uh, pecking order, but... Yeah, it is. Um, we, it will it will happen this year. Um, it will happen this calendar year. We will get it done. Right. And just finally, for me, um, on your clinical trial page, there's a reference to uh, drafting of publication for the oral for oral rinse. Mm-hmm. And uh, haven't seen that for a while, so um, we're just wondering where things stand with that on the commercial front. Well, as we mentioned. Um, earlier, with the agreement of the board, we are focusing the efforts of the company commercially on prevention. Um, The oral rinse is actually in the research area still. It is very effective in more a cure type area than a prevention area Um, and maybe maybe has much greater applicability to a whole lot of other oral disease. So we haven't walked away. It's still in research, but it it wouldn't get commercialised as like a Listerine. That's not what it does. Right. Um, But, yeah, so we are – it does very nicely in the dental disease space, you know, periodontitis, those types of things. We have some other research going on in that space as well. But we're not committing to turn it into a product until we're kind of in a different space than we're in right now. So the whole focus of the company commercially is around pivoting the activity to experience, driving experience and surgex, and then pulling through additional pipeline in prevention through the same sales network. Mm. Okay. And, and sorry, just one more. Um, the, I think it was the middle ear infection product that was uh, with Grace that was sort of um, pushed back mm-hmm. because of its experience. Um, That's true. You've got it, yeah, you've got it there as product in development still. Um, given that, well, you know, experience is, there's a little bit of uncertainty there. Um, w- what can you tell us about uh, where things stand with middle ear? Is that still a next year exercise or? So the, the the critical path on middle ear is we finish the product, we promise the um, partnering surgeon who is from University of Florida that we would run a study in infected animals. So we've done the study, we've done the safety study in animals that had no disease. There was no damage. Remembering of all the things we do, the cochlea is probably the most fragile, if not next to the brain, the most fragile area of the body, right? So 
if you if you say we pump something else in there other than what had been specifically made, you could do damage. So we've made a formula that we know is completely safe for the middle ear. Dr. Antonelli has asked to do an animal study. We agreed in March it would do an animal study and then University of Florida got closed for the pandemic. So we're back, he's coming back to work, we're gonna go do the animal study. Then once the animal study is done, we accelerate through the rest of the project. Does that help? Yeah, great. Okay, Super. thanks Judith, that's all for me. Thank you. Again, as a reminder, if you'd like to participate in today's Q&A, just star then one on the touchstone. Uh, yeah, hi there. Look, I've just got a small question about the uh, clinical trials that you have uh, had interrupted. Uh, can you just confirm that the uh, chronic wound ulcer trial is actually still in progress? Um, and also, can you comment on the DFU trial status? So the DFU trial, I don't know where that feedback's coming from, guys, sorry. The DFU trial um, is being done in combination with applying Blastex and Pomogram by Dr. Matt Rogowski. He actually, I guess I'm not telling tales out of school, Dr. Rogowski continued to work through the shutdown, but he found that a lot of his patients were not that comfortable coming to clinic while clinic was still open. So he's now finished this whole recruitment and we're getting ready to report. So we'll have something ready for publication in the next couple of weeks. Um, Dr. Serena and the trial where we were using Blastex under the wound vac, we had reported the first 10 patients, in fact, at the end of last year, and the data looked ex extraordinary, really. Um, and we said, you know, this is going to be a more feasible document for publication if there's 20 patients. So we went back, we got the approval, then the pandemic hit, and then he stopped. So he has now restarted, and he has finished the recruitment of those 10 patients, and they're currently in treatment. So we expect that those wounds will be closed in the next month, and we can then parcel up the whole of the 20 patients into something that will go for publication. Does that help? Thanks, Matt. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. And next we have a follow-up from Elise Shapiro of Bell Potter. Thanks, Judy. Um, just, just one quick follow-up. Um, how, how engaged are you with trying to get on a formulary with additional group purchasing organizations or IDNs um, across, you know, the, the existing product lines, but I think, you know, more importantly um, for horse rejects and experience when that comes through. Um, we have appointed two people to do exactly that. One on the ones out of Arizona, so covering the West Coast, and ones in North Carolina on the East Coast, and basically divide up the two groups. The good news is we do already have Surgex in HCA hospitals and HPG hospitals, and we've got Blastex in Kaiser hospitals, which we're looking to leverage into Surgex and then move um, into experience. We also get to leverage some of the Back to Shore stuff, Elise, because Back to Shore is on both Premier and Vizient purchasing. Um, so that helps us, right, in going back to those two agencies. But I think um, 
as compared to some of the other technologies, you know, the response we've had from the surgeons around experience is so strong that I think they'll also help with the GPOs. They're happy for us to be in the non-compliant category to the GPO get the contract in place because they just they have problems they want fixed. Got it. Thanks. No, thank you. Again, as a reminder, if you'd like to participate in today's Q&A, please press star, then one on the touchstone phone. Again, on a star, then one. Again, we will just pause momentarily to assemble our roster. Well, at this time, we're showing no further questions. We'll go ahead and conclude our today's question and answer session. I will now hand the conference call back over to Ms. Mitchell for any closing remarks. Ma'am? Thank you, Operator. I would like to thank everybody for joining us today and remind you that we will come back through the ASX announcements as soon as we get some more clarity out of the FTA. We are very committed to being transparent with the progress of people assessing our technology, but as you can understand, this is something agencies have never seen before. We are breaking new ground. We break new ground with an outcome that's going to help millions of people and hopefully return very good returns to millions of investors. So thank you very much for your time, and we look forward to talking to you again. And we thank you, ma'am, for your call now concluded. At this time, you may disconnect the lunch. Thank you again, everyone. Take care and have a wonderful day.